Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is the breakdown of the NFL draft virtually done this year, of course, given everything that the NFL was incredibly prepared. Uh, The NFL and its teams, uh, the draft went off pretty much without a hitch. Uh, No real glitches. Uh, The IT guys uh, uh, working day and night in their GM's uh, abodes. actually panned out you know everything went with uh minor hiccups i mean the biggest star that emerged from the nfl draft is nike uh bill belichick's dog uh stole the show of draft night uh basically by manning the computer while belichick was away from the room uh uh and looking cute as a button so uh even as cynical fans as we are about the Patriots, you can't hate on Nike the dog uh, just uh, uh, because of the literal memes that came out of uh, uh, that shot of Nike all by himself manning the computers and being as obedient a dog as you could be. And nothing would surprise me when it comes to the Patriots with having obedient pets as well. Uh, But, you know, let's get right down to it uh, out of uh, the theatrics uh, that went on uh, during the draft virtually and uh, get into the main story that people are going to be talking about. And that is what is going on with the Green Bay Packers. You know, I know plenty of folks are going to question why the Packers selected Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft when. At best, uh, you know, he was a fringe first-round pick for a team that desperately needed a quarterback, maybe a Jacksonville, you know, big, uh, clubs that, you know, might take a flyer. No one was expecting the Packers to be even in the mix on this one, so it caught everyone off guard. And, of course, yet uh, Aaron Rodgers, in the twilight of his uh, football career, repeatedly asking for help throughout uh, the season last year and not necessarily being happy with Matt LaFleur's offense. The Packers, uh, you know, as much as I disparaged them, the Packers did make it to the NFC title game where they were summarily handled by uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And this commentary is exactly why the Packers made the move that they did Courtesy of Troy Aikman. We've seen it over and over and over. This is uh, this is taking away the manhood right here of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So in that NFC title game, the 49ers ran it up the gut of the Packers over and over and over again. Again, you gotta listen to Aikman's commentary. This is not just uh, harsh. It's the flat out truth. We've seen it over and over and over. This is uh, this is taking away the manhood right here of the Green Bay Packers. Taking away the manhood of the Green Bay Packers. 
You know how embarrassing that has to be for the Packers organization to hear that being said on national television? And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. The Packers were completely overmatched. At no point in that game did it even remotely look like the Green Bay Packers were even on the same playing level as the 49ers. And from a talent level standpoint, it's not that much of a difference. But from a schematic standpoint and execution standpoint, it's light years. So what did the Packers do on the heels of that? The Packers, for all intents and purposes, have punted. The Packers have decided, and many teams would say, let's go reload and try to go beat those guys and make uh, some of those changes. The Packers essentially uh, stated that, you know, we're not going to be able to compete with the 49ers in the next two to three years. We're going to start rebuilding and planning out our three to five year horizon. And that began with selecting the quarterback of the future in Jordan Love. The Packers can say what they want about Aaron Rodgers still being the present, still being the face of the franchise. The Packers made the decision that their Super Bowl window with Aaron Rodgers has been shut by a number of factors, namely the fact that they are not in that elite category of NFL teams that are going to compete. And given the news of uh, Mr. Brady going uh, over to uh, Tampa, I mean, listen, you know, the NFC has gotten substantially better, and I don't think it's that uh, far out of the imagination that the Packers may not make the playoffs next year. It's very well possible. If the Bears can get any sort of uh, decent quarterback play, the Bears could be considered a better team than the Packers. So I get it why the Packers did what they did. They saw how far the cliff, uh, the gap was where they were from a a competitive standpoint. And they just said, you know, this cliff is uh, too steep. If we try to go after it and fall flat on our faces again, we're stuck in mediocrity for the next couple of years. So let's start planning out how we're going to improve this team uh, over a three to five year period. Because some of the moves here, true head scratchers. You got Jordan Love as the first round pick. You got A.J. Dillon, the running back out of Boston College, as the second-round pick when you have Aaron Jones. Again, pro Bowl running back. You did redundancies at your two key positions on offense with guys that aren't going to help you. This is why the Packers are planning this out. They, they've already made the decision. Instead of getting wide receiver help, which, again, Packers had ample opportunities to trade up to get Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, there, there were multiple opportunities in that draft for the Packers to land an impact wide receiver and give some additional weapons to Aaron Rodgers and take some of the uh, burden off of Devontae Adams having to carry the wide receivers, uh, wide receiving core. Packers didn't want to do that, go that route. You know, their rationale is planning out the next three to five years. Now, is Matt LaFleur going to survive that long? Excellent question. No idea. Is Aaron Rodgers good enough to keep Matt LaFleur employed? Yeah. The problem is, 
Aaron Rodgers is not that caliber of quarterback anymore to just carry the team and get them on his own. They needed additional help on that offensive line. They got one tackle uh, in the sixth round. I mean, it, again, it, the issues with the Packers is the fact that they got no immediate help that's really going to move the needle whatsoever. The best case scenario you could say is uh, Josiah Degura, uh tight end in the third round, which again was a bit of a reach pick. Like a lot of people are questioning what the Packers did, and my whole stance is they just projected out uh, uh, some of these guys uh, who could be project players down the road. This is not, and I repeat, not anywhere close to having a successful draft on paper as it stands. This is more like a D-minus type of draft. The only reason why this is in the full-out F is uh, there's a special team that I want to address next, uh, which I still said had the absolute worst offseason and draft of all the 32 teams, and that is none other than the Houston Texans and my boy, Bill O'Brien, who... You may last recall uh, uh, blew a huge lead to the Kansas City Chiefs and had this memorable exchange earlier in the season. Yeah, after that, Jim... As you can hear the guy screaming, coach, 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 coach. Uh, that was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, the best player on the team not named Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins got traded in the worst trade in the NFL. I had to try to check what was the worst trade that would even be comparable to the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And I... I couldn't find one in the last 20 years. That's how bad this trade was. This was the single worst trade in decades. It's amazing how bad this trade was. Everyone thought it was an April Fool's joke. But to recap, for those of you uh, who are the uninitiated and don't recall what actually happened uh, uh, during uh, everything that's uh, transpired, Bill O'Brien, after... Some would call a heated conversation with DeAndre Hopkins uh, once the teams were uh, breaking for the offseason. Bill O'Brien went out of his way to try to trade DeAndre Hopkins, but didn't apparently call too many people because he ended up taking one of the, Again, this is one of the worst trades. Actually, no. The worst trade in the last two decades, at least. At least. Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for for David Johnson, who's been washed up for two years now, his bloated contract, and a second-round pick. That is what... (laughs) I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a top-three receiver in the league, if not the best receiver in the league. You gave him away for 
not peanuts. You took on a sack of potatoes that are rotting. David Johnson's contract is one of the worst amongst running backs in the league currently, and you only got a second-round pick to show for it as well. It doesn't make any sense how Bill O'Brien is allowed to not only be the coach of the Houston Texans, but the GM as well. This failing upwards is mind-boggling, to say the least, because he is one of the few people that you could actually consider to be a worse front office executive than Matt Millen was for the Detroit Lions uh, 15 years ago. It's amazing how bad Bill O'Brien is at both of his jobs. He's literally running his franchise, uh, this Texans franchise, into the ground because Deshaun Watson obviously uh, is pissed off. He made it known on Twitter that he was pissed off. And, again, you only got a second-round pick, which you didn't do anything with because if we go actually through the Texans draft, you basically see the fact that they got uh, an interior defensive lineman in uh, uh, Ross Blaylock with that second-round pick. You give up DeAndre Hopkins to get a line late. Uh, I mean, basically, it's mind-boggling how this was uh, so poorly managed. And the reason why the Texans didn't have first-round pick is because they mortgaged so much of their draft for the next two years in the Laramie Tunsil trade with Miami in the 2019 year. Uh, You know, Tunsil was only the 17th best tackle in the league last year. And the Texans signed him to a three-year, $66 million extension with $57 million guaranteed. And he's the highest paid offensive lineman by over $4 million. Again, you can't make up how bad Bill O'Brien is at his job. There's no possible way. You know, I don't know what else there is to say about this other than it's an absolute unmitigated disaster. All right, we don't have time to spend all on the Texans, so let's get right down to it with the overall number one pick uh, going to the Bengals and Joe Burrow being the selection. You know, in round two, they picked up T. Higgins, the wide receiver out of Clemson, uh, grabbed a couple of linebackers, uh, grabbed the tackle as well. You know, but all in for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, this was the Joe Burrow draft. This draft will be determined by how good Joe Burrow is because, you know, from my estimation, Tua Tagovailoa is uh, probably going to end up being the better pro. But given that Tua's hip injury and you're the Bengals and have so many needs and so many different positions all across the board, you know, it's hard to argue against uh, taking Joe Burrow, uh, especially given the fact that Joe Burrow dominated college football in the way that he did uh, during his time at LSU. So, you know, again, for draft purposes, this is an incomplete grade, uh, mainly because, again, 
if Joe Burrow turns out to be a, a multiple-time pro bowler, this is an A-plus draft. If Joe Burrow turns out to be an above-average QB, this draft's pretty much an F because with the overall number one pick, you gotta you gotta get the guy. Uh, you know, you gotta get the guy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So to me, uh, some of these initial uh, draft uh, uh, grades are gonna be incomplete. As you know, if you're Washington, Chase Young is a, an absolute beast. You know. He should immediately translate into being the best player uh, on the draft in the in this draft, but you know from a uh, from an expectation standpoint of uh, how uh, some of these careers are going to go from a, a draft perspective. Uh, Chase Young was the safest pick in the draft and the best overall player in the draft, but in many respects, uh, because Washington has so much going on. Uh, with new front office in place, so many holes again. Even uh, Washington, whose team name we still will not say on this show, uh, their overall assessment is probably around a B uh, at best. Because, you know, this draft was indicative of uh, many situations in the NFL uh, that uh, we're going to talk about uh, Washington made some bad trades uh, and they have a number of holes to fill. And again, both the Bengals and Washington are going to be bottom of the barrel teams again this year. They're, you know, it's not going to hold the whole much, uh, much for the win total. They're going to be top five picks next year. Uh, it really comes down to that. Uh, if we go to number three lions, same spot, although the difference here is that the Lions didn't fire their coach and GM. Uh, but uh, Matt Patricia is in a win or go home situation uh, with a roster that, to be frank, isn't all that great. Uh, but you know the the reason why you've got uh, uh, some of these selections uh, being made. Uh, uh, for Detroit is the standpoint of they've been so bad for so long. DeAndre Swift was a shocker at uh, in round two, but here's the thing. The Lions haven't had a true uh, number one back that could stay, uh, stay healthy since Barry Sanders left. They still are lacking so much in the run game. Uh, carry on Johnson has been unable to stay healthy in his NFL career. So from a fantasy purpose standpoint, Detroit still remains an utter wasteland. So uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, bad back, uh, you know, sidelined him uh, most of the second half of the season uh, with broken vertebrae. Like Matthew Stafford, you know, I got to give him credit for even playing uh, with some of the issues that he did with his back, uh, as much as he was being paid, because you know, back injuries are not something that you uh, you survive long term. So I have big questions about Matthew Stafford's durability down the road. You know, I don't see Detroit ever being able to trade him at this point, given uh, the injury issues that he's going to have long term 
due to the back. They say he's going to do a recovery, but, you know, again, I haven't seen one professional athlete that's ever been the same or better coming off of a back injury. Now comes the biggest shock of the entire draft, which are my New York Giants. If you had told me coming into this draft that the Giants, with Dave Gettleman as the GM, would actually have an above average to good draft, I probably would have laughed in your face. Namely because, A, this was a virtual draft, meaning Dave Gettleman would have to navigate technology and phone calls to make draft selections. If there was like a running pool on GMs who would miss a draft pick with this virtual draft, Dave Gettleman was at the top of everyone's list. So to say that I had uh, low expectations for this draft would be uh, <laughs> would, uh, would would be uh, an understatement, to say the least. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think this had anything to do with Dave Gettleman. I think this had everything to do with the difference between someone who could be a good head coach and someone who has no idea what to do as a head coach in Pat Shermer. Because you could tell Joe Judge had his fingerprints all over this draft in terms of how the Giants uh, selected some interior uh, uh, linebackers as well as uh, getting uh, some quarterbacks because Dave Gettleman botched the DeAndre Baker selection so horribly by trading up and getting a bust, to uh, say the least, because DeAndre Baker is a bust. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's never going to live up to that first-round draft billing. But enough about last year. Let's talk about this year. First uh, selection at number four was Andrew Thomas, the tackle out of Georgia. I still pencil Thomas as more of a natural right tackle than a left tackle. I think you know he could develop into a left tackle. It'd probably be average to above-average left tackle. I think he, he's a superior right tackle. The issue with this draft was, again, you know, the tackles that were at the top of the board, none of them were really true uh, great uh, left tackles. You know, again, this is what happens when you screw up drafts, when you have the positions that you need to grab, and you pass on them for inferior positions that you already had a plethora of. The Giants drafting strategy the last couple of years is just absolutely maddening. But Thomas was uh, the best option in terms of guys who could become a true left tackle. The uh, the other guys would have been more projects. Thomas, I at least know what I got it in terms of the floor. He, he will be able to transition into a left tackle uh, because Nate Solder is already done as is. But uh, the, the Giants are probably going to give Solder one more year at left tackle before Thomas takes over the role in year two. Uh, in the second round, uh, the Giants got lucky that Xavier McKinney slipped all the way down to them. I don't know how McKinney uh, slipped that far down. Uh, you know, good in coverage. Uh, definitely it checks a lot of needs for the Giants' secondary. Uh, he's going to cover up many mistakes that the Giants make, and believe me, they, they make plenty of them in that secondary. So, uh, McKinney uh, absolutely uh, was a fantastic steal because on most draft boards, he was rated 19. So to get him at 36, you know, 
he has a uh, great uh, upside uh, in terms of uh, what he can do uh, because he can play in the box. Uh, like I said, he, he's a very good at free safety, uh, good against the, the run in college. So he should translate extremely well to the NFL level. And again, with a team that's, that's desperate for uh, defensive back help as the Giants, uh, he's probably going to have the most immediate impact on the team. Uh, as mediocre as the offensive line is for the Giants, I think McKinney uh, is actually going to get uh, be a bigger lift to the defense uh, than Thomas will uh, for the offense. Uh, Matt Pert, uh, third round pick, a, a good selection uh, out of Connecticut. Uh, you know, should be a solid uh, backup in the NFL. Has the potential to be a starter. But again, with the Giants, a lot of these selections that they did uh, uh, with uh, grabbing Darnay Holmes at, at corner in the fourth round, uh, uh, Shane Lemieux, uh, linebacker in the fifth round, Cam Brown, linebacker in the sixth, uh, and with the four uh, draft picks in the seventh round, again, Dave Gettleman's an idiot because you you shouldn't have four seventh round picks. At a, at a certain point, uh, you know, you should be trading uh, trading out of some of those picks uh, to get a higher pick next year or trading up. But again, I can't necessarily fault any of the seventh round selections. Uh, they all have potential of making the roster. So if you have the potential to make the roster, it's a good seventh round pick. It's just one of those where, it's, you know, when you're as bad as the Giants, you need as many bodies as you can get. So, you know, I normally would say using that many seven-round picks is a foolish thing to do. But, again, the Giants were desperate in grabbing people off the scrap heap because we cut so many guys last year because, A, they weren't any good, and, B, Gettleman drafted so poorly, uh, there there was no backup to actually fill uh, fill the roles uh, of uh, certain places. So you, you kept having to grab guys off the street. But like I said, Giants had a very excellent uh, draft overall. I credit Joe Judge for that, not necessarily Gellman, but it is what it is. I'll I'll take it. Uh, I mean, considering my expectation level, I'll more than take it. All right, next up, we got the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is a polarizing draft because, honestly, this draft comes down to whether or not you truly believe Jalen Hurts can be an NFL QB. I kind of look at it as a case of Jalen is probably an NFL backup QB. So if you're drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round and you're the Eagles with as many issues you had in the wide receiving core and on the, uh, your defensive backs, it's very puzzling to see the Jalen Hurts pick. I know, I know Carson Wentz gets hurt quite often, but you paid once the money, and you could have. I mean, you could have traded for Nick Foles if you. Re- it's like it, it. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have gotten back Nick Foles and made and and worked some salary cap magic. It's just that the Eagles are so desperate to make the Carson Wentz thing work with the fan base that they they tried to hedge themselves by getting uh, a versatile backup. They think in Hurts. I just don't think, A, Hurts is a true NFL starter, and B, if you have a franchise QB, what are you doing picking a QB in the second round? It's insane. Uh, So, uh, you know, again, the Eagles 
to me, shot themselves in the foot. And Jalen Rager, uh, their first round pick at, in the draft, uh, uh, the wide receiver from TCU, you know, he, he he does have explosive plays. I mean, they they think he could be uh, similar to Deshaun Jackson, uh, who uh, is going to complement him uh, on 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 that offense, uh, provided that uh, uh, Jackson doesn't lose a step. But um, uh, you know, I. I just look at it as, and just shake my head because, you know, they 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 grab Rager at twenty one, but there was still a chance for the Eagles to trade up to get CD Lamb. It, to me, Jerry Judy and and CD Lamb slipping in the first round were some of the most criminal things that could have happened in the draft this year. It, it made no sense that all these teams were not trading up that need wide receiver help. Uh, you know, you're look, you're looking at new England, you're looking at Philly, you know, uh, there are teams that desperately needed uh, to get wide receivers and wouldn't pull the trigger. I, I don't, I don't quite get it. It, it. it really is a head scratcher how Philly approached this draft because in the two most important picks they could have had to address some of their issues, you know, they didn't trade up, and they got an inferior player, and then they got a player that's going to cause question marks because, again, why are you picking Jalen Hurts if Carson Wentz is the franchise QB? It, it's just, it's a it's a head-scratcher, and, you know, realistically, it shows a lack of confidence in Carson Wentz. They can, they can try to message it at all they want, but Philly doesn't, even Philly doesn't believe that Carson Wentz can stay healthy, and that's a problem because with the amount of money Carson Wentz is being paid, he's got to be the rock of that team. There, there's no if, ands, or buts about it anymore. Like he has to take over. If he doesn't take over, Philly's going to be in trouble for uh, the next couple of years because that roster is getting uh, significantly older. They got a year or two left before they fall off the cliff and have to rebuild. So again, getting Jalen Hurts, you know, I. I I'm 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 sorry. I I just can't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Uh, how that makes any lick of sense in the grand scheme of things? Because it there are too many variables that Philly now needs with a bunch of fast wide receivers and hoping that one of them pans out because they they grabbed another speedster in John Hightower from Boise State in the in the fifth round. They got Quez Watkins from Southern Miss in the sixth round. Basically, they're they're just hoping because these are just speed guys. Uh, just from all the peripherals uh, on them, you know, hands aren't uh, gonna be a strong suit, so they're gonna drop passes. So all the all the Philly fans that are uh, have been making fun of Nelson Aguilar over the years, you're gonna get more wide receivers that are gonna, that are gonna drop balls. I, I mean, there's no nice way of saying it. it it's just a uh, simple fact of the uh, matter is that. It, it's it's gonna go that way, but um, so uh, I I jumped ahead and talked about the Eagles just because uh, I I had it in mind uh you know uh getting uh getting sidetracked on uh, the NFC East, but uh, going back into uh, the natural draft order in the fifth spot were the Miami Dolphins and the Dolphins had a very good draft. Uh, I feel that you know the overall game plan for the Dolphins coming into the 2019 campaign with uh, with Brian Flores was to tank 
and get to Tagovailoa as the overall number one pick. Flores overachieved with that squad, got them playing hard. They won games. They single-handedly knocked New England out of the playoffs because New England lost their uh, uh, lost their mojo, never recovered it, and got bounced by Tennessee in the next the very next week after uh, losing at home uh, to Miami. So you know, I, I honestly think that the Dolphins are in a position to ascend. Now, the key here is that, uh, you know, Miami definitely needs to let Tua rest this year. You know, coming off of hip injury, there's no sense in rushing Tua uh, back. You, you you ride out Tannehill for one more year, see uh, uh, see what he, uh, what he can do for you uh, in terms of uh, keeping that roster competitive. I mean, it's Ryan Tannehill, so making the playoffs is not exactly in the cards for you. But he can win you somewhere between six to eight games. And, you know, given how weak the AFC East is right now, the Jets are a major question mark. The Patriots, no one knows what's going to happen from a quarterbacking standpoint because, uh, again, I'm going to skip ahead. Pats didn't address the quarterback position whatsoever. Uh, you know, so unless the Pats uh, – uh, Grab someone in free agency, you know, I think the Pats grabbing Cam Newton makes the most sense in the world. Uh, it just depends on if Cam gets a better offer because New England's not going to, New England's going to backload Cam's contract with incentives that, you know, again, it's going to be dirt cheap. Cam should be able to get better offers elsewhere. The Denver Broncos, like, I, I don't understand how the uh, Denver Broncos haven't already uh, brought Cam Newton in. It, you know, Drew Locke is, uh, is a nice QB. Uh, he, he's never going to set the world on fire. You know, again, I am jumping ahead, but, uh, you know, I just think that the Dolphins have a decent chance of uh, at least being in contention for the division this year, even though they're still in a massive rebuilding project that is in year two of probably three or four years to turn them into a true contender. So, again, uh, Tua was a a nice selection uh, just because he fell to them and they didn't have to even trade up to get Tua. Plus, they were able to get uh, a couple of uh, offensive linemen in Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. So they're going to build out that unit, build it around Tua. You know, again, this year is more about developing uh, players once again and uh, and trying to get uh, that squad in a position to be a force in the AFC for years to come. So again, uh, not uh, not uh, not a bad draft. It, it 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 checked all the boxes in terms of what you do as a rebuilding club: build from the core, build out the offensive and defensive lines, and start working on it from there. They didn't grab a skilled position player. They didn't draft a running back. You know they they kind of kept it uh, they kind of kept it simple and you know I, I am all about that in terms of when you're bad keep it simple build out uh, your interior line uh, on offensive defense and then go from there the skill position players will eventually get there. All right, in the sixth hole we had the Chargers and I hated this draft. I hated this draft mainly because the Chargers were already doing very illogical things. But uh, 
the Chargers draft Justin Herbert at six, and I don't even think the Chargers like Justin Herbert. It, 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 it's, it's a very weird situation where the Chargers, knowing that they needed to grab a QB, could have traded up to get Tua, didn't want to risk paying Tua and having him sit for a year, so instead they just drafted Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert's going to be healthy enough to start year one. I, again, this is this is just like Chargers logic 101. It's just like it's all about making money. The Chargers have never been about winning games. I, I like I, I hate to say it. When the Chargers get lucky uh, and actually uh, uh, because, uh, you know, again, I don't think the Chargers necessarily knew that Philip Rivers was going to be even remotely as good as he was uh, for them. You know, I was always high on Philip Rivers uh, in college. You know, I was higher on Philip Rivers than I was on Eli uh, in college. But, you know, the failure to actually build around Rivers and LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates, it just, it's it's so Charger-esque. I, I, I just, I can't. I, I really can't. Uh, you know, the Chargers draft, uh, they traded up uh, uh, to get uh, uh, Kenneth uh, Murray out of Oklahoma. You know, again, he's uh, he's going to be kind of fitting into the defensive scheme. So at least it makes sense from that regard. But uh, some of the other selections in the later rounds, I mean, uh, Joshua Kelly... Uh, not exactly going to do it for you from a run game standpoint as a lead back. The Chargers, Chargers got a a number of holes now that they, that they got to fix. And this draft really didn't do much of anything. I mean, they got a bunch of skilled receivers, uh, no quarterback that's going to be. And again, Philip Rivers was not good last year Uh, by all rights. Not good. But, again, if I'm the Chargers, similar to the Broncos, Cam Newton should be on speed dial. It doesn't make any sense what the Chargers are doing right now. Uh, I, I just don't I don't understand it because they uh, they essentially started to do uh, half, half rebuild, let guys walk type of role. It, it's, a, it's a very confusing situation for the Chargers. I, I don't. I don't quite know what they're going to be next year. I, I feel bad for Anthony Lynn because the fact that he was even being discussed getting fired for the failures of his general manager and just a stingy ownership group, you know, they blew up that entire situation with Melvin Gordon. Yes, was Melvin Gordon foolish for holding out the way that he did? Yes, but the Chargers always stiff people when they could have come to the table instead of hurting the team, which they did. Uh, but say la vie. All right, in the seventh spot, we you know we have the Panthers. You know, obviously Cam Newton's era there is over in unglamorous fashion. Uh, you know, just unceremoniously dumped by the Panthers. Uh, all things considered, the Teddy Bridgewater is essentially just the filler guy. I honestly believe that the Panthers are trying to tank this draft. I mean. The Panthers drafted a number of guys for projects that are going to be good in two years. The The problem with that is, 
what is uh, what is Teddy Bridgewater supposed to do? The the Panthers grab no wide receivers. They don't have Greg Olson anymore. It, it, this is just a mess right now. The the Panthers don't have a passing game, and Teddy Bridgewater needs. He can't carry an offense by himself. It, Teddy Bridgewater is a very good game manager. He can do a number of things that can be beneficial to a team. But if you have no options other than get the ball to Christian McCaffrey, you're not doing a whole lot of good for uh, Bridgewater. And, you know, again, I, I look at this draft where they, they draft Derek Brown in the interior. They pass on Jerry Judy. They, 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 they I mean, C.D. Lamb, I, 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 I'm trying to, to rationalize how the the Panthers justified that one when you you move on to bring in Teddy Bridgewater, unless you're setting Teddy Bridgewater up to fail because uh, they they draft Derek Brown uh, in the first round, in the second round they uh, they get uh, Gross Matos uh, uh, from Penn State. He's an edge rusher. They get Jeremy Chin uh, in the sec- uh, late second round. Uh, you know they gr- draft a, a couple of corners in the the fourth and fifth rounds, and get another defensive interior lineman in the sixth round, and draft another corner in the seventh round. Th- they spent all the draft capital on defense. Uh, you know, Matt Rule, uh, the new head coach of the Panthers, is an offensive guy, uh, but. They're not given any weapons to necessarily work with. This is going to be a piecemeal effort uh, of dink and dunk. I, I honestly think that the Panthers are trying to, in a way, get themselves in, in, in a spot where they're probably going to be in the top 10 again next year. I don't I don't see anything from this draft that's going to change anything in the disposition of the Panthers. And Teddy Bridgewater is a step down from uh, Cam Newton. I know Cam has uh, the injury issues, but there's no way that Teddy is in the same league as Cam. This is a step down. Uh, you know, T- Teddy is uh, is is better than uh, the backups that replace Cam, obviously. But you know, again, this is just kind of a situation where do I see any upward mobility for the Panthers to get out of the top ten for picking in the draft next year? No, and I think the Panthers kind of kept it that way. I think the Panthers. You know, they may say what they want about uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but if this goes as badly as it could on offense, don't be shocked if the Panthers go all in to go get Trevor Lawrence uh, next year. It's it's not out of their own possibility. I, I you know I know uh, a number of teams are going to be trying to tank <coughs> Jacksonville, um, but it, it is uh, it is uh, perplexing uh, how. Uh, the, the Panthers went about this draft unless they were trying to kind of keep themselves in a space of mediocrity. Next up, we got Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, well, actually, no, I, I screwed that up. Uh, the 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 next uh, the next selection in the draft, uh, T- Tampa came up uh, came up in the thirteenth spot. Uh, Arizona was eighth. Uh, here's the interesting part about. Arizona with the worst trade in the league in decades, decades with DeAndre Hopkins 
this is so straightforward in terms of what the Cardinals need to do. They got the explosive pass rusher in Isaiah Simmons, cause turnovers. You bring in uh, a couple of uh, uh, draft picks uh, to protect Kyler Murray, and you work from there. And that's exactly what uh, Arizona did. You know, they they draft a couple of tackles. They get they shored up the defense, and by and large, this is a great draft for the Cardinals. You know, I. I I you know I I don't like giving those A because sometimes folks will uh, like drop an A plus grade and this that and the other you know I I, I just look at it and say this this was such a lopsided victory for the Cardinals this off season that it's really hard to find anything to knock uh, uh, to be perfectly honest with you uh, you know uh, I I think the future is incredibly bright for. Uh, Kyler Murray, as much as we questioned his height last year and his ability to function within the league and hold up durability-wise, you know, so far so good. And the offensive line is going to get better. Uh, you know, that was a hell of a draft for the Cardinals. Uh, like, you got to tip your hat to them. Next up uh, in the ninth spot was uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's tanking this entire season, folks. Absolutely tanking. It, it, there, there's no, there's no if ands or buts about it. Jacksonville traded away just about everything but the kitchen sink, and they are trying to tank all around to get Trevor Lawrence number one next year's draft. You know, and sometimes when you do those all around tank jobs, and the team knows you're trying to tank, players sometimes do play harder just to even spite the organization and to get paid elsewhere. Uh, you know. The Jaguars basically, again, similar to Carolina, number of project players, nothing that's actually going to wow you in terms of uh, uh, what the uh, uh, what the the team's going to bring to the table. I mean, Jacksonville had you know it, it was ridiculous how many draft picks they had. Uh, because I believe they actually had either eleven or twelve draft picks this year. Uh, because uh, they draft, uh, I want to say, uh, yeah, because they they had two in the first, yeah, three, yeah. So, yeah, they had twelve draft picks. Uh, uh, it's just one of those things where they they traded away so many guys that they just have a bunch of picks. That they, uh, that they needed to uh, use to actually build out that squad. But, you know, none of these players are necessarily going to be impact players in uh, in their first two years. This is going to take some time. So, again, this is all about Trevor Lawrence uh, coming up uh, next year in the draft. Uh, Jacksonville's going all in, uh, trying to tank uh, this season. Uh, they're not... They're not being uh, conspicuous about it, they're, they're they're pretty upfront in terms of what the game plan is. It's just a matter of uh, you know from an execution standpoint uh, how the season ends up playing out on the field. But by and large, from a talent perspective, Jacksonville is pretty much the leader in the clubhouse by a good bit in terms of uh, uh, what it's going to look like from. Uh, a wins and losses standpoint next year. So this draft was all about rebuilding, not much else to it. 
intense spot. We got the the Browns, and as much as a bust the Browns were last year, it the Browns they got talent. It, there's no uh, there's no getting around it. The the Browns are still incredibly talented. They can do they can do uh they can do some damage if everything works out. Now, is it a likely scenario that everything works out for the Browns? No, not at all. But Jedrick Wills, uh, again, was the third highest ranked tackle I had on the board. Uh, they got him at 10. But probably uh, in terms of uh, what uh, Wills uh, does, he's uh, probably going to be uh, someone with, from an agility standpoint, is going to be a monster for them in the run game. So, you know, it's gonna it's gonna actually help open up that passing game for Baker Mayfield to play off the play action pass. So again, uh, like the Wills pick, definitely love the Del, uh, Grant Delpick pick uh, for uh, from LSU in round two. Uh, you know, covers up quite a bit in terms of uh, ground in in the safety. You know. Between uh, Delpit and uh, McKinney, you know, safety got a bad rap uh, this uh, go-around in the draft. Uh, but uh, uh, excellent pick there because I had him in my top 25 uh, in terms of, of the player pool. So, you know, it, it did work out for the Browns. And then a couple of useful uh, players on the interior. But, you know, I look at the Browns, and they're not that far away. It's just little fine tuning here and there uh, that's going to make the difference for the Browns. That uh, you know, that's really what it all comes down to. In the eleventh spot, we have the New York Jets, and similar to the Giants, I was shocked that the Jets had a relatively decent draft. Uh, they fixed uh, uh, a couple of items. The only glaring issue that I have and I I you know it's gonna come across mean spirited but Makai Becton has the highest potential of eating himself out of the league out of any offensive lineman in the draft this year. It, it's just one of those things where Becton is just the man is over three uh, he was over three sixty uh you know in terms of size, he's an absolute uh, beast at six seven. Uh, but three uh, six seven three sixty, you're not going to miss him in a room. the The problem is, is that as physically dominant as he appears, the production just wasn't there uh, in Louisville. Uh, you know, again, metrics wise, it looks good from an execution standpoint on film, not so much. That's where I look at it and say. In a market like New York where everyone's going to be looking at you uh, with a brighter microscope, you know, he's not used to that because he wasn't at a big-time college program. You know, I just see this could go a very bad direction for the Jets. That's just the way I look at it. And, you know, making comments about uh, his weight management, you know, again, it's it's un. It's mean-spirited in a way, but it's not exactly unfounded in terms of uh, 
what's going on uh, with uh, uh, him and being able to translate to the next level. All in all, not a bad draft for Joe Douglas. The problem is is that you're still stuck with Adam Gase as a head coach, and that's just not going to end well for the Jets. But moving on, we've got the Raiders, and I, oh boy, uh, where to begin with the Raiders? Uh, Point blank, Henry Ruggs being selected above C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy has got to be one of the most head-scratching moments of the draft. How the Raiders couldn't trade back is beyond me, but Ruggs would have been there with Lamb and Judy still out there. I I don't see why Mike Mayock uh, made that early selection. It really was a reach. The Damon Arnett pick in uh, that they traded uh, uh, that they also got in the first round. It just didn't make any sense either. This was the DeAndre Baker pick all over again uh, that the Giants had. Uh, you know, Arnett, not great speed, physical corner, grabs a lot, doesn't really necessarily translate well to the next level. You know, I, no one had him in the first round. At least Baker might have been in the first round on some people's boards last year. Arnett was mid to late second round at best. Uh, you know, just... Honestly, just uh, very, very uh, confusing. And, uh, you know, okay, we'll see. But uh, uh, very confusing, uh, to say the least. Uh, Next up, uh, the Colts at 13. uh, You know, they traded traded this... uh, uh, pick and you know, in terms of uh, what the, uh, the Colts were looking to do, you know, they're doing the one year stopgap with Philip Rivers. Uh, so they traded out of the first round, uh, and uh, you know, they traded out of the first round, uh, uh, to get uh, DeForest Br- uh, uh, Buckner, um, uh, from uh, 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 they they traded out uh, uh, the Forrest Buckner uh, uh, from uh, the 49ers uh, to upgrade that defense. Uh, so it, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting, uh, but uh, you know Michael Pittman in round two as a wide receiver, Jonathan Taylor as a running back in round two. Uh, you know, I think Jonathan Taylor is a first round pick uh in some regards as a running back he was the most complete running back in the draft it's just that it was a weak running back draft so you know him going into the second round was not uh, a surprise but he could have he could have gone round one and would have necessarily uh been uh that controversial but uh you know solid draft for the Colts nothing too awe-inspiring uh so uh who did get the 13th pick uh in actuality, it ended up being uh, uh, Tampa Bay who uh, grabbed Tristan Wirfs uh, as uh, their tackle uh, to protect uh, Tom Brady. And, you know, at this point, Tampa's focus is do all you can to get some measure of protection for Brady. Uh, uh, so uh, Wirfs uh, made, made a ton of sense. Here and then they they drafted a, a couple of uh, useful 
players in the middle rounds. No, nothing that's going to, uh, you know, be a tremendous impact player. But the, the key here for Tampa was getting worse uh, because, uh, you know, in in terms of uh, get, getting, uh, uh, getting a player to actually solidify the offensive line, uh, that's what you need uh, to do for Brady. Uh, it's tantamount. So, uh, to me, Tampa Bay did what they needed to do, but they had already won uh, uh, some measure of the offseason because by getting Brady, they were able to talk Bronk out of retirement and uh, and put together a juggernaut uh, with Tampa. So, more to come on Tampa. I'll be talking about them uh, quite a bit for the NFL season. You know, but once we get out uh, ahead of uh, everything that's going on, but... Uh, uh, moving on, uh, Denver. This was an easy win. Not because John Elway did anything brilliant. It's because a number of teams, especially the Raiders, screwed up. Jerry Judy falling to Denver. It's just, you know, I hate it when great player, uh, great prospects land on teams uh, that don't necessarily deserve it. But... Uh, the Broncos, uh, they got a, a good wide receiver to uh, uh, to complement Cortland Sutton, and you know they're not going to miss Emmanuel. Like the the Broncos did a a little bit of a foolish trade for uh, giving up uh, Emmanuel Sanders for as little as they got back for Emmanuel Sanders. So the fact that they were able to get Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, I it, sometimes life isn't fair. <laughs> it's like, uh, the, the the Broncos deserve to get punished uh, for that one, but uh, they didn't. Uh, Judy's going to work out; uh, should work out very well for them uh, in terms of selection uh, and what he brings to the table. Uh, they also got KJ Hamler uh, as a speed threat in the slot. You know, it, it's it's a, it's a couple of uh, g- uh, good draft picks that the Broncos were able to string together. So. All in all, uh, it was a solid draft, but the Judy uh, pick uh, just just knocked it out of the park for them. Uh, moving on, Atlanta Falcons. You know they saved Dan Quinn's job and Andrew GM's job, and to be honest, this draft was meh. Uh, like realistically, the, uh, the Falcons didn't do a whole lot that's gonna. Uh, make uh, or break a season, uh, you know, realistically, it's going to come down to, again, what can Julio Jones do uh, from an offensive standpoint and if Calvin Ridley continues to ascend as a wide receiver uh, because, you know, as a whole, Atlanta didn't do anything uh, one way or the other to tilt the scales uh, uh, in either direction. And, again, because Atlanta uh, – you know, they've already had Calvin Ridley and uh, Julio Jones. They didn't need a wide receiver. So, of course, the Cowboys, I mean, C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys is just so infuriating. I I, I just... Uh, like you can hear it in my voice. Uh, just the level of aggravation I have. Mainly because C.D. Lamb is going to be, should be, unless just something happens, uh, but should be a multiple-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. You know, he's going to fit in. 
uh, actually puts a little bit of the pressure on Amari Cooper, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, that uh, Cooper's going to need to be able to step up and uh, deliver the goods to justify getting paid number one wide receiver money. Uh, you know, obviously the Cowboys had the deck Prescott situation to manage from a salary cap standpoint. So getting another impact player to go along with Ezekiel Elliott uh, and Amari Cooper for deck to use, I, I just think that the Cowboys offense is going to be explosive this year. And, you know, realistically, it could be Dak's uh, in an even better passing year than last year was for Dak. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see how things go from there. A uh, couple other teams that really uh, did not do much at all in this draft, mainly because they didn't have that many picks. Steelers, uh, you know, no first-round picks because of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. But... The Minka Fitzpatrick trade was still a good deal, uh, no matter what, because uh, he he made that defense elite uh, when it really uh, was a, a very big question mark uh, whether the Steelers' defense could recover from losing Ryan, Ryan Chazier to uh, that neck injury. So uh, again, the Steelers didn't have many draft picks to work with, uh, but uh, it's really weird that uh, you know. They didn't trade up for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, with Le'Veon Bell going, you know, I know that there's the thought process that they don't need two running backs uh, in, in in that system. But the truth of the matter is the Steelers play such a physical style of football, you need a legit uh running back as a backup too uh, like that's a two running back system there, there, you know there's uh there's only so much uh uh so much a uh, wiggle room you're 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 gonna get uh in the nfl and you know james connor while again i'm not sold on him being an, uh, a number one running back if he at least got an insurance policy uh with a another uh, strong young running back that would at least uh, take the the burden off. Uh, as it stands, you know, I didn't think the Steelers did a whole lot, and with the question marks surrounding uh, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the Steelers are going to have their work cut out for them again this year because uh, Baltimore is going to be uh, loaded. Uh, uh, Cleveland, you know, for all their uh, calamities, is still very talented. You know, Steelers got their work cut out for them next year. Draft didn't really help them. Uh, another team that had a terrible draft, the Bears. Don't understand what the Bears are doing. It's very confusing because the the Bears drafted three tight ends, and again, they signed Jimmy Graham as a tight end. What are the Bears doing? No one knows what the Bears are doing. Uh, I, I, I would give the Bears an F if only because, uh, you know, while they didn't have a ton of draft picks, they still managed to be very, uh, very suspect in terms of uh, some of the, play, uh, uh, the players that they did grab. Uh, Cole Komet, uh, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't, see, I don't really see what the Bears are uh, doing. To be perfectly honest with you, it, it, they didn't have a first round pick uh, because of the Khalil Mack trade, uh, but you know, 
even with that, it was still a poor draft. You know, they didn't get anything that really added to their uh, uh, to to their uh, team. Uh, you know, again, I I, I kind of have it. Kind of had to put it as an F. I, you know, there, there's no nice way of saying it. It, it was a terrible draft. All right, uh, moving on. Let's get into it with the Rams. Uh, another team that didn't do a whole lot in the draft, mainly because they didn't have a they didn't have much uh, in terms of selections uh, because of all the various wheeling and dealing they've done in trades to uh, try to jumpstart that team. And you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. The the Rams don't have salary cap. They don't have draft picks. You know, this doesn't seem as though uh, they're they got it because they didn't they didn't put much draft capital into that offensive line that rapidly aged last year. You know, the Rams' offensive line was one of the top uh, five units in 2017-2018. It regressed to basically being a top 15 unit, and with that regression and Todd Gurley's knee injury. You know, it just was an utter disaster because, uh, you know, as as much as uh, he got paid, you know, you, Jared Goff is not a true number one QB. It's just that simple. So with everything else deteriorating, there wasn't much else uh, uh, to, ma- to make it work. So it is what it is. Now, again, uh, we talked about the Eagles before. Uh, depends on what you think of the Jalen Hurts trade, uh, trade up and selection. I just, I don't get it if you're the Eagles, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, the bills, you know, not too many draft picks, uh, but, uh, the bills have made the trade for Stefan Diggs. Uh, so they lost their first round pick. Uh, so the bills actual selection, uh, uh came into second round with, uh, uh, edge rusher AJ, uh, a, 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 I think it's a Pensa, uh, 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 from Iowa. Uh, good, uh, good rusher, uh, should fit in very well with the defense scheme that the Bills have. Uh, but, uh, you know, realistically, he could have, uh, gone in the first round. So, uh, getting, uh, uh, getting him at 54, uh, in the late second, big get for the Bills. And it's one of those, uh, Cases where you know he's not going to be a great explosive uh, number uh, numbers guys from an athleticism standpoint, but he makes solid plays. He gets he gets hurries and he gets pressure. You know that's pretty much all you can ask for uh, uh, when you get in an edge rusher. Is uh, how much can he uh, can he win uh, his battles when he's rushing? If you got a over thirty percent win ratio, uh, uh, that's elite. I mean, twenty five is uh, is good, but if you're getting in the thirties, that's elite. Uh, that's an elite rush rate. Uh, so, um, you know, it's it, it's it should translate uh, quite well into the college game. I mean, from the college game to the pros. But uh, you know, in terms of uh, other selections, they did grab Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia. Uh, should be you know a solid backup of. Uh, for Josh Allen, uh, definitely not one that's going to be competing for Josh Allen's uh, job. So as long as Allen can make some strides as a QB, uh, the Bills should be uh, doing quite well uh, next year uh, with a wide-open division, uh, mainly because 
the Patriots draft was all over the place in terms of multiple selections. Uh, New England grabbing a couple of tight ends, not addressing the quarterback position. Again, the highlight of the draft had to be Nike, uh, Nike the dog appearing on national television <laughs> uh, when uh, people were zooming in to see what Bill Belichick was going to do. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, drafting a kicker in the fifth round, like the 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 path, the paths were all over the place, uh, to be honest. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting how New England went about it. But uh, you know, I'm never going to count out Belichick, but uh, you know, this was a perplexing draft because I didn't see anything that was immediate. And usually I see the rhyme or reason to what the, the Pats are doing in terms of the guys that they're plugging holes for. Uh, th- this seemed to be more of a, a Pats drafting for three years down the road. And then you start seeing these guys develop in, in terms of roles from special teams to making impact plays uh, on uh, defense. So. That's where I think that's where they're aiming for, but nothing really jumped out at me as uh, as a as a, a couple of uh, plays that uh, we're we're gonna make it uh, make uh, Pats fans feel any better about their current situation with uh, no Tom Brady uh, and uh, relying on Jared Stidham. I, I think that at the end of the day they're gonna need to bring somebody in, but. Uh, you know who that who that's going to be uh, is anyone's guess at this point. The Saints, I'm pissed beyond belief that Zach Bond went to the Saints. To me, this is one of those complaints that I had with uh, Gelbin, where you've got guys that are falling in the draft. Zach Bond was a late first round uh, potential definite second round pick that fell to the third round and the Giants had multiple opportunities to get him as a linebacker. He was better. He was a better prospect than anybody else that the Giants drafted a linebacker. So it's not like the Giants could say that uh, they got someone better. The Saints got a steal in Bond. Steal. Because like I said, Bond could have gone late first round. No one would have batted an eyelash. The fact that he lasted until the third round, was just one of those head scratching moments that I had because it didn't make a whole ton of sense. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good draft. I I I can't necessarily uh, uh, question it because uh, you know, uh, I know folks didn't like the Caesar Ruiz pick because you, you know. Uh, Questionable grades for a guard uh, in the first round, you know, aren't going to be aren't going to be ones that are uh, you know sexy picks. But you know, if I'm the Saints and I know Drew Brees is getting up there in age, I need to at least have as many bodies on the offensive line as humanly possible. So to me, given the fact that the Saints only had a couple of draft picks, uh, four in total, Zach Vaughn falling to them to me just kind of wins the draft for them uh you know even with four picks because they got a they they essentially ended up getting two first round picks in my opinion so 
it is what it is. But uh, uh, you know, sometimes you, you, uh, it's better to be lucky than good. All right, the Vikings. Justin Jefferson falling to the Vikings in the first round again. You know, a lot of bad selections being made by teams uh, uh, that ended up. Uh, resulting in other teams profiting. And I'm going to be talking about the Ravens very shortly, but the Vikings had, I believe, 13 selections this year. Uh, but just uh, Justin Je- Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU, going to fit in nicely with the scheme that uh, Minnesota has to uh, step in there for Stefan Diggs at a much lower price tag. Uh, you got uh, Jeff Gladney uh, from t- uh, TCU at corner. Uh Ezra Cleveland, uh, nice uh, tackle in the second round. Uh, Dantzler, cornerback uh, in the third round. Uh, but just nice, solid picks up and down the board for uh, uh, Minnesota. I mean, basically, uh, what the Vikings ended up uh, doing was uh, lining up a number of picks on an aging roster. Because the Vikings do have... Uh, a roster of players that are getting up there where, you know, in a year or two, they're going to be out the door uh, by and large because of, uh, you know, the, they're going to be able to get out of the Cousins contract if they don't win. So it's all in now, but they're going to need to blow up that team in a year or two. And they've got a bunch of well-positioned draft players where they can have kind of a not necessarily have to do a full teardown rebuild, but they can refresh that roster because they got so many good quality young players in this draft. Uh, you know, it was really hard to find a pick that I didn't like that the uh, uh, that the Vikings did in in all the, in all the rounds uh, that they had selections in. You know, it's just one of those cases where you know Vikings uh, did their homework, drafted a bunch of guys that had uh, good draft grades. You know, they, they had one of the, I mean, one of, if not the strongest draft uh, of them all. I, you know, outside of maybe, maybe the, the Ravens, uh, I, I think Minnesota won this draft um, in, in terms of volume and just the number of quality players. Now, again, the fact that C.D. Lamb uh, ended up going to the Cowboys pisses me off beyond belief. But, you know, in terms of volume of quality picks uh, as a whole composite throughout the draft process, uh, Minnesota, I felt, uh, won that along with uh, Baltimore. But moving on, uh, the Texans. You know, again, we talked about this earlier uh, in the the podcast. Uh, You know, the amount of terrible, terrible decisions being made by – uh, Bill O'Brien, it's just a disaster, absolute disaster. I, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. He should pretty much force his way out of Houston. It's going to look bad on him uh, in the eyes of the media, but you know, I don't see a long-term future for Deshaun Watson, and this draft certainly did him no favors in terms of getting him help. Seattle. Uh, you know, I always give low grades to Seattle. Uh, I, you know, outside of last year, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it's uh, it's it's one of those uh, cases where 
you know, the the Seahawks just didn't really do a whole lot that uh, realistically gave help to Russell Wilson. Didn't really have an impact prospect. So it just kind of, it, it was just kind of there uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, what the uh, Seahawks did. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just don't, uh, I don't see a whole lot coming out of uh, Seattle this year in terms of uh, the, uh, the rookies they drafted. There, there certainly isn't a DK Metcalf anywhere uh, in the selections that they made. So, you know, Seahawks, probably just a case of, uh, you know, getting a couple of players that can compete for a roster spot, but uh, not, nothing dramatic. Uh, next up, uh, the Ravens, I, I, you know, I already alluded to this. I thought uh, outside of the Vikings, the Ravens uh, uh, won this draft. You know, Patrick Queen dropping to 28 for the Ravens is, again, patently unfair. A sign of how many teams screwed up in their draft board evaluations because Queen was one of those guys that I had tagged for the Giants as the Giants had traded back in the draft to get another first-round pick. So Queen falling down, uh, you know, I... And I and I still don't get how Queen fell fell to the Ravens. The Chargers went linebacker. Seattle went linebacker. With guys that are not as good as Patrick Queen was for LSU last year. I you know it's just it's it's one of those where you just kind of scratch your heads and just wonder like are we watching the same game tape because none of this really makes any sense. So Patrick Queen falls to the Ravens at twenty eight, then. The Ravens get J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State at running back to, again, this just solidifies that run game because what happened last year? Mark Ingram got banged up. The other running backs got exposed to the playoffs. Dobbins legitimately could be a number one running back in this league. I, on his own. So, pair him with Lamar Jackson and you still got some tread on the tires with Mark Ingram, the Ravens' run game is going to, uh, again, be dangerous uh, 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 coming into next year. Uh, plus, uh, they address wide receiver with Devin DeVornay from Texas. Uh, he's going to uh, probably be their number one wide receiver uh, coming into uh, next year. And yes, while the Ravens aren't going to be known for their uh, passing attack, uh, DeVornay uh, does give them uh, quite a bit of speed uh, uh, to at least uh, make those uh, short, intermediate routes uh, uh, from a quickness standpoint and getting the break. So it's going to help Lamar Jackson being able to sell uh, the option when he uh Pulls it, uh, pulls it back and, and, and pulls the trigger on on a, on a throw rather than running it. So it's going to give a little bit added dimension in terms of the short intermediate routes. But again, they had the best record in the league last year. They had a bad night up against uh, Tennessee. Getting some uh, reinforcements is only going to strengthen that team. And they're going to be hungry next year because everyone's going to say that you know they were fraudulent. So they're going to be motivated. 
All right. Coming to the end here, because, uh, you know, we already talked about the disaster that was the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so let's talk about Tennessee. You know, the Titans, they lost the Jack Conklin, Conklin uh, to free agency. So the Titans uh, needed to dr- address both the offensive and defensive lines. So they did they did uh, uh, that on both ends. So no, no issues at all with what the Titans did. It's just uh, so they I, they grabbed Isaiah Wilson from Georgia as uh, the, as their tackle to replace Conklin, but uh, you know the overall sense of the Titans is because they invested in Brian Tannehill, you know there's there's not a whole lot of money left to go around. So I think they're going to have to franchise tag uh, Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is not going to respond well to that. Uh, so this could be a very delicate situation that uh, Mike Vrabel is going to have to manage because you're going to have a disgruntled running back, an overpaid quarterback. I get why you paid Brian Tannehill because you you needed some stability in that position, but you overpaid him. Overpaid him quite by quite a bit. But, you know, now you can't pay your running back and he's going to be pissed off and your offense runs through Derrick Henry. So, uh, you know, I I look at it as a case of, you know, it would have been nice to get a true, legit uh, running back uh, to help uh, shoulder the load with Henry. So I would have actually looked at the Titans to have traded up to get a J.K. Dobbins. Um, but, you know, they didn't go that route. Uh, and that's the one thing where I just kind of look at it and say, uh, that that was probably a missed opportunity for the Titans at the end of the day. So we come now uh, to the two teams that were in the Super Bowl. Uh, so first up, uh, you got San Francisco. Uh, you know, they made uh, a number of uh, changes throughout uh, in terms of draft picks. So they had a weird uh, situation where they actually had two first round picks, then couldn't draft again until the fifth round. So basically, they were done after night one. So they got uh, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina and, Br- and Brandon Ayuka from Arizona State. You know, with Emmanuel Sanders leaving to go to the Saints, uh, the 49ers were going to need to get another wide receiver. So Ayuka, you know, made sense. Uh, you know, once. Uh, Judy and Lamb were off the board. Uh, I, I, I get why uh, they had to go with Ayuk, but my whole thing with the 49ers is that, you know, when you had the chance to draft Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb at 14, you take the chance. Like, it's not that I, I dislike uh, Ken Law at all. It's just the fact that you have an elite run game, if you add an elite wide receiver threat as a rookie, it's only going to help sell the play-action pass even further. Uh, you know, I, I get it that they have enough talent on that team uh, in the wide receiver core that they didn't need to necessarily do that, but, you know, that defensive line was stout enough that, you, you know, you didn't need Kinlaw as a rotational threat. I, I thought the, the play here was to actually grab uh, Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, so 
that's why I kind of not get the 49er selection. The other picks that they made in uh, in the later rounds, all solid picks in terms of uh, where they were valued from a, a draft board standpoint. My, my question for the 49ers is, you know, if you're looking to get to that next level and win the Super Bowl, I would have felt a lot more comfortable going all in and getting that uh, big-time wide receiver that's going to scare teams uh, than just kind of uh, punting and, and and relying it on the defense. Because, again, you know, teams are going to start game playing for San Francisco a bit more next year, and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, of an urgency being placed on some of the areas where they struggled with Jimmy Garoppolo, which was namely the big passing plays. You know, they were doing a lot of intermediate passing plays and using the yards after catch to be the end-all, be-all. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, when, when you've got when you've got the the uh, the wide receivers uh, that you do uh, you do with the 49ers that are more complimentary, and you're uh, relying so much on your tight end, uh, even though you, you know uh, George Kittle is a beast, you know having that extra weapon is like my whole concern with the 49ers is if you match up against a team like the Cowboys next year with the Cowboys upgrading that offense, if the defense for the Cowboys even improves slightly, that's an, that makes an entirely different ball game uh, to get back into the Super Bowl. Like the Cowboys are, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, the Cowboys are a problem for the 49ers. It, it's not, that's not a gimme matchup. So I, I'm I'm just saying, you know, the, the 49ers, they're, they're still going to be great next year. But the problem is, is that some of the other teams I'm seeing in the NFC uh, as well can pose problems for the 49ers. So, you know, again, unless Jimmy Garoppolo is taking that next step where he can elevate the wide receiver unit by himself, I, I, I thought this was a missed opportunity for the 49ers. And finally, we're going to talk about the world champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, not too much uh, to speak of uh, in terms of uh, where they were going to be drafting from, because obviously they're going to be drafting at the back end of every round. But, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the selection that, you know, uh, no one saw falling to the Chiefs, but, hey, it was... Uh, it, it was a surprise to see Andy Reid actually draft the running back in the first round because it's atypical of Andy Reid, but uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, really, really does uh, fit the mold of what uh, the Chiefs like to do on offense. He's going to be a good complimentary back for Damian Williams. Again, uh, Kansas City is a two-back system. Uh, you know, Damian Williams had a great Super Bowl, but long-term you needed uh, to kind of solidify that position again because, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy just did not have anything left in the gas tank uh, last year, and it showed badly. Uh, uh, You know, whether it was losing a step or it just just did not work. So getting Edwards Hilaire uh, should solve quite a bit of uh, issues for uh, the Chiefs. Uh, then they used the uh, five of the last uh, six picks on defense. Uh, and realistically, uh, 
they lost a, a number of guys to free agency as well. So uh, the Chiefs, you know, again, not going to be a defensive juggernaut at all with uh, the amount of, of capital that's going to be concentrated to the offense uh, because they're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes now. And you've already got a, a Travis Kelsey uh, uh, make, making good money. The Chiefs don't have a whole lot of uh, capital, but when you're the defending champs, life is good. So Chiefs fans, you know, you you've, you you accomplished the, the, the job. You've gotten the title. This is the, the, the part where you try to build off of that. And it wasn't a bad draft. It, you know, they, they did the little things that they could do in the interim. Now it's going to be trying to get creative uh, in free agency and patching up some holes uh, to make another stab at it next year. But, yeah, overall for this draft, you know, it was frustrating to watch a number of teams just absolutely blow it repeatedly. And other teams just profiting. Like, the rich just got richer, in my opinion, uh, because, uh, you know, the rebuilding teams did some smart things, uh, uh, by and large. But the teams that, you know, technically could take that next step, I didn't really feel made any significant strides outside of Dallas. You know, I, I really do question uh, the motivations on some of these teams. And with Green Bay, uh, as I said before, Green Bay has given up because, as Troy Aikman said, We've seen it over and over and over. This is, uh, this is taking away the manhood right here of the Green Bay Packers. You know, the Packers essentially uh, gave up on title aspirations and they're starting over from a rebuild standpoint. They, you know, they just uh, did it on national television for Aaron Rodgers, but for all intents and purposes, Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know, if this year doesn't end up being the last year by next year, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be leaving the green Bay Packers. And it's just a matter of time uh, before uh, that happens. But uh, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's when. So that's all I got for the draft uh, in terms of my assessment. Uh, but uh, we'll see how everything shakes out because of everything that's going on with the current pandemic. You know, I just don't see how teams are going to be able to do a true training camp uh, uh, successfully uh, by early summer. You know, I think a lot of things are, are, are going to be left to players' own devices to figure figure some things out. But you know, we're going to see how uh, we're going to see how things shape up. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting time period for certain. Obviously, we have uh, a number of other important matters it's, as a society to deal with in terms of the pandemic and uh, 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 dealing with uh, uh, the virus and uh, making sure that. Uh, uh, you know, folks are staying so safe and protected. So, again, uh, more uh, more uh, to come, uh, and things that we we can't predict at the moment. But uh, in my my estimation uh, of this NFL draft, it's going to be a case of once again just teams that know how to navigate the draft taking brutal advantage of the teams that don't. And you know, it was quite apparent yet again uh, which which teams are, are going to be positioned to be making legitimate runs for the next uh, three to four years uh, because of uh, some of those uh, decisions. So 
Uh, that's all for now, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed the, the commentary on the draft. And until next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.